0: You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host today, Guy Fieri. You can catch me on Twitter at ff underscore Flavortown. That's the first time I have not screwed that up uh, since making that <laughs> switch over. Uh, joining us, joining me today is, uh, as usual, his Jetpack Galileo. You can catch him on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. How are things going over there by you in uh, Italy?
1: Oh, we're doing we're doing well, my man. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of think of it, you kind of become the like hot takes Brooks type character. That's a yeah. a new realization I just had. Now with the- I thought
0: I feel like I feel like. They're more flavorful takes than hot. You know, okay, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I go for—is is flavorful
1: takes. Yeah, most hot takes are trash, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. With flavorful, that's nice. Uh, got some we, spicy one. <laughs> we have a, a guy on with us who I've uh, been a big fan of, and hearing that he joined Ftn Network uh, was super cool. Um, to 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 just kind of uh, get to know that whole team has been awesome experience for the astronauts, um, and just get plugged in with what they're doing. Um, so we have Debro on the show, Derek Brown., um, what's going on, Derek? What's going on, guys? Thank y'all for having me. Uh, I see, we got a lot of different
2: topics to cover tonight. Um I mean we're 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 at the precipice of grind season right now. Can y'all feel yeah. it coming?
1: Oh yeah I mean, oh, yeah. Can't wait. It's
2: been oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh, God. I feel like all of a sudden fantasy Twitter just went like from zero to eighty, like all of the people that were fading the season, they're like, crap. We're actually going to have a
0: season and all of a sudden
2: it's just been poof.
0: Yeah. No, no positive tests uh, among players in all of August, which is, is bonkers. Um, and like only a handful of personnel. And so I think that the NFL's handled this so well and and we're definitely going to have a season. It's going to be interesting to see if the players continue to handle things, uh, uh, so well in season and, and maintain the, the, uh, the healthy habits that they have so far. So, um, That'll be interesting to see if if a, a slew of cases pop up midseason, how they handle that. But we're definitely going to have a season um, and it looks like probably a pretty full one. Yeah, I'm totally
2: with you. I, I, I've i been on board with I think that we get 16 games. The NFL has met every obstacle for everybody that wanted to fade it. Like when it came out, like they were talking about, like uh, whether it's health protocols and stuff and you see. Twitter's just like, well, they're going to screw this up just like baseball did. And I'm like, dude, have y'all not watched every single bit of what has happened throughout the offseason? NFL draft, they went totally virtual. Like all these different things, they've been a step ahead. So I'm not going to fade it. I'm not going to sit here and get off of that. I think we get a full season and I'm ready to go.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I've been, I I, uh, didn't realize that you could do this on Twitter uh, until like this past week, but on my timeline, on my main home timeline, I have everything that everyone I follow is tweeting. And then a list of NFL beat writers. And, uh, for the most part, I've just been looking at the beat writer stuff. It's kind of like better than anything on TV. Um, even if it's just like six people in a row tweeting that, uh, Parker, Preston Williams had an amazing catch. And both of them are the number one on their team, you know? So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of been my, my form of entertainment lately. I mean, at,
2: you had to have your popcorn when all of Twitter was like, What's going on with David Montgomery? He could have been his Achilles, oh. it could have been his ACL, it could have been his femur. <laughs> I think it could have been his back. Dear God, does he even have a leg left? It was <laughs> it was hilarious. Like I was just like, dude, y'all need to chill the hell out for a second. Like
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh, I know. Like, I had I, I literally had beat reporters DMing me before I even knew before any anything broke. Like the before <laughs> there was any video, but it was like one Twitter account said the bears might be in the market for another running back and like that was just the most ominous thing ever and then you watch it and he's like oh, okay he slipped and like tweaked something but it, it was oh my gosh it was the it was a super stressful uh <laughs> like response and a super alarmist response it was um i mean put it this
2: way the only way i can sum it up and say it it was very very 2020 yeah it, oh
1: yeah
0: it, it absolutely was <laughs>
1: remember when remember when that one kid like had a, a source, and he was like, "Nick Foles is gonna opt out." <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, oh jeez, whole source Twitter. The, it's Our so Twitter's interesting so how how close <laughs> close knit everything is in the news. And I don't know, you, I don't never like I've never thought of it that way. But basically, everybody who's talking about stuff, they don't have to have access to anything. They just be talking right. about their rear, and you know, it blows up or it gets big. And so, I, you know, just to put that in context, I thought that was such an interesting like actual thing to see happen live yeah i think
2: source twitter and hand size twitter bmi twitter they all share the same (laughs) van they ride together with all of the fake Shefty accounts um now where they're going i don't know but they're all riding together
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so true it's so true yeah there's there's just all this stuff out there and and like half the time it's it's true half the time it's not and half the time it's over an overreaction and half the time it's it's just been nowhere close to what's going on it's the the initial knee-jerk reaction that everyone has, like there's a panic sell window and a panic buy window. And and I love I kind of love buying in that window because uh because it's super fun. Anyone that's like, oh shoot, I need to ditch this and and then just buying, even though you have no idea what's going on. Um it's it's super exhilarating. And while I'm not in the stock market and I don't really uh go to casinos or anything, I feel like that's kind of where I get my rush.
2: Yeah, I mean I <laughs> I will say, if you're really active in dynasties, I mean, I, as soon as the nu- the news broke, I did go like pick up like Ryan All, or I dropped a few guys and stuff like that, just because you just never know, man. Like because yeah. if he does have the MRI, if I got the space, now is that going to lead me to like say, well, I'm going to float David Montgomery up? Hell no, I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah, are you are you snagging? Uh, are you going as deep as Artavis Pierce on draft day?
2: <laughs> I mean I get it. Um if I'm gonna go that deep, I'll just I'll just stash Jermichael Hasty
0: every single wear. of it, yeah. you know. No, that that makes a ton of sense. It's uh it was yeah, that that's just a microcosm. There's gonna be a handful more things that happen like that uh before the season mm-hmm. even starts. Um so you just kinda have to be ready and, and don't overreact. I think there's a lot of overreaction. Um and if you can kind of stay calm through it all, I think you can find small ways to benefit. Agreed um little intro here for derek uh you can catch him on twitter at d bro underscore ffb uh he's a senior football analyst at ftn network he's also the co-host of fade the chalk podcast and ftn fantasy podcast um so make sure you go uh listen to some of his other stuff follow him on twitter uh if you're not because you're missing out if you're not following him on twitter um all right, so we're today we're talking uh, a little bit of DFS and a little bit of redraft and dynasty. Um, we don't often get to talk DFS, and especially in the off season, it's been so long. But I think it's great to uh, kind of prep for uh, for DFS and and for people that are not um, people that have not gotten into it yet. I think this is uh, going to be a really fun and a really uh, a, a season where you can kind of find a lot of uh, fun plays and a lot of uh, with with. People getting sick or people being on IR with uh, with an abbreviated um, preseason in camp. I think there's going to be a lot of ways to kind of capitalize on that. And so uh, definitely want to take advantage of your DFS knowledge here. Uh, you and Jetpack have gotten into it a little bit more than I have. So I'm going to use this episode to learn as well. Um but to start it off, can you share for our listeners that aren't as experienced with DFS, what are the, some of the best resources you found um, to just help people get started or how did how did you even get started? Um so, unashamed uh, plug here. I mean, obviously
2: if you really want to win, you need to be following at ftndaily.com. I mean, that's that's the answer, right? No. Yeah. Um, absolutely. It's <laughs> shameless plug, but it, to be honest, like it, with DFS, I, I, a lot of the especially if you're brand new to it, I do recommend subbing to a site. I do recommend because a lot of sites right now, like over at FTN, we have a discord channel. So we're walking through plays before lock. We're like, people are throwing in lineups. We're saying, okay, look like whether it's pivots, whether it's even late swaps, um, we'll kind of get into all of that. It's really, I would say you need to be subbing to a site in some form or fashion because a lot of the edges and I mean, y'all are also plugged into the fantasy community in the NFL as well, but whether it's a lot of people that aren't a lot of our guys, like we DM beat reporters, like we have, and I I know we just made fun of source Twitter, but like, honestly, like last year playing preseason DFS, I literally was going through all of the reports for the athletic. I was following snap counts, snap percentages for, all the preseason games. And not only that, I was DMing beat reporters to figure out, like, okay, who's going to play this week? Who's not going to play? Who's been banged up in practice? Because not all of these things, as we've seen a la Ben Roethlisberger, not all of these things actually make it out into the Twitter sphere and out into life. And you don't always hear some of those things. So I think that subbing to a site, having that ability to Plug in is really awesome as well as other things like making sure that you're on a site that has an optimizer so if you're not if you're running like say like 20 lineups 150 lineups you do have abilities to sit here and set exposures how heavy you are into certain players as well as in and, and a lot of different sites the ability to see like that slate like where ownership uh, is going like how rostered are players because especially like cash, even like if you're playing double ups, you're playing cash games or GPPs, like the ability to gain leverage on the field is paramount. And if you're out there just like pulling up DraftKings on your phone, just throwing out lineups, doing whatever the heck else, this is not season long. And if you want to actually win money and not just burn it every single week, You need to be doing these things and you need to understand one, where the field is going, and two, where are you versus that? Like, if you're heavy into a player that week and he's going to be 2% rostered, dude, you could be printing money. Whereas if you're playing GPPs, are you going to fade a guy that's like, say, 50% owned or 40% owned? Or is he a lock if you're playing double ups and cash games? You know, understanding those things and really, I'd say if you take one thing away from it, you need to know what ownership is you need to know where, like the percentages of people that are like who are they rostering for that week because that's the only way that you're going to sit here and understand like what you need to be doing that week in dfs
0: no that's that's huge i think um like that that's most people though are just pulling up draftkings on their phone cuz it's fun and mm-hmm. and just entering lineups cuz cuz you can and it's easy and uh but there, that's that's such a huge leg up because so few people are actually uh, subscribing. So, so 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 few people actually have access to these uh, these people that really. I, I mean, I, not not that everyone makes their their sole living off of it, but there's a lot of people that that mm-hmm. make a good living off of uh, off of DFS, and that's that's primarily what they do. So. When you have access to someone um, that's in it that deep and that has that much experience, that just levels you up that much more quickly. Like you don't have to go through all the the growing pains and the learning pains that you you would otherwise have to. You have access to to people, and um and Ftn obviously is is the answer for that. Um, you you have to get plugged in there. Um, that's awesome. Is there um talking about about ownership? Just real quick, what a When you're when you're looking at ownership, what are some um, some kind of landmarks that as you see a a player hitting X ownership, you're starting to avoid or fade uh, and and certain ownership and below that that you want more of that in your lineup?
2: So it really kind of depends and a lot of this comes down to one, what type of player you are like if you're playing cash games and double ups, you need to sit here and look and see who is high owned. Um, how you're going to construct your lineups? Like, are you going to pay down for the super cheap quarterback, or you, pull up, like, rostering? Like, I'm going to jam in these running backs, and then I'm just going to figure it out, you know? And what that looks like, it really, it, a lot of that comes down to what you're actually playing because, as far as ownership, if I am lo- like, if I'm really high on a guy in GPPs, it's not to say like you don't have to run out a lineup that has nothing but guys that are 2 and 5% owned. Like, that's not the answer because it's really – so usually at the beginning of the week, like, you want to take a peek at ownership, but really it's really not going to firm up because, I mean, we all know, like, as the week goes on, you get more news, things, different things happen. Uh, with this season, guys get ruled out and stuff of that nature, um, or a guy's looking like he could be limited in the game, and then we get a report on Saturday or – what have you, I don't usually sit down and start lineup building until late sun, uh, Saturday night. Usually, I'll, I'll pour a glass of whiskey. i sit down at about like 1 a.m., midnight, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit here and like at least get a, a, a decent idea of where I stand on the slate. And then I'll adjust Sunday morning. like I'll adjust to news and adjust the things before lock. So with ownership, you want to have your finger on the pulse, but it, it, it comes down to like, what games are you actually playing? Like if you're playing GVPs, you can have a guy that's going to be like 50% on. You don't want to have a full lineup like that and roll out your cash game lineup in a GPP. Right. And unless you want to be splitting like 70 ways with somebody, if you do happen to bank it, but you know, it's just to come down to like, there are ways like you try to be different versus the field. But I think one of the paramount things is that people don't need to be rolling out a lineup and say, all right, Who are the low on guys? I'm just going to jam in a lineup of nothing but 5%, 10% on guys. It's, no, I mean, we all kind of joke in DFS. It's like, okay, you play the best plays. But really, like, you set up kind of like, I will kind of sit down, look and see what my core players are for that week, whether I'm going to lock button one of the running backs or two of them, or I play a lot of three-max. So am I going to, you know, play two running backs and then, Maybe in my flex position, I'll rotate between two or three different guys for each team and what that kind of looks like. like. You can play high own guys. You just don't want
0: to have a full lineup of them. So that kind of leads into the next question, uh, which, I mean – I don't know if you did that intentionally, but how do you decide what games to enter on a weekly basis? How do you de- decide how many how many cash lineups you're going to have, how many GPP lineups you're going to have? Like, what is what what drives that for you? And and do you have a preference between uh, a different different styles of DFS?
2: I mean, personally, I, I, after playing for a while, I I, I found, and I've, pl- I've I've played cash games. I, I've tried to mul- I've, I've multi-entered and things of that nature. I find personally I'm more of a single entry three max kind of player. Just where my my mindset kind of goes, and I'm I'm better at GPPs. Um, I, like I will not be smirch anybody for playing cash games. That's totally fine, man. Like if you're gonna play that, it's all good. But if, for anybody out there that doesn't know what, what I'm talking about with cash games, it's really your double ups. So you're looking at like say you're in a field of of two hundred people that are in in that in that game. So usually like say 40 to 45%, somewhere around there, a shade below 50% will get paid out. And so say if you enter $5, you'll get paid out $10 or $9, something of that nature. And so a lot of it, you're really trying to figure out who is everybody on? Who do I need to try to jam in to my lineup that's going to be high on? Because you're just trying to beat half the field. Like you're not trying to get first place. Um, And how you get differed with your lineup, like having high on good plays that are going to see volume as well as maybe tweaking a player here or there. And a lot of times I'll pay down a quarterback if I'm playing cash. But personally, I find like I play all GPPs, single entry, three max. That's just who I am. And, and, And in playing a lot of different games, that's really where I found that like at least I'm best at. And some of that is like you literally just have to play to figure out what type of player that you are. And I've really le- realized that like, especially over the last two years or so, because like I was talking about being in discord, being in chats and stuff and learning, cause we all learn from each other all in the fantasy space. Like whether it's a conversation on Twitter, a constructive conversation on Twitter right. <laughs> and you know, we're all trying to learn and get better in our own way. So like I'm talking about being in these chats you're literally about like you could bounce plays off of guys and learn and become a better player in the process. So in doing that over the last two seasons, that's where I've kind of gone with it. But as far as game selection, I play a lot of small field stuff. And when I say like, not these, there's 8,000 people in it. Um, And when I'm talking about like, I just find that I'm a better player. I play a lot of small field stuff where there's lower number of entries Um, just, you'll see less differentiation of lineups, but a lot of that as well will go with like single entry. So somebody's not multiing like 150 lineups and accounting for every single outcome, which there's nothing wrong with it. That's all good. Um, but really you want to look for contests. Like if you're looking at, you really want to look at like payout structures, like places that have a a flat payout where it's not just like there's $10,000 to first place and there's like. $1,000 to second, you know, that might seem really great and grand, but the chances of you like totally winning that tournament and getting first place is really small. So how much of the field is going to cash per se? So a lot of times in GPPs that'll usually sit um, around 23%. So you're looking at how many people are in that total versus how many people are going to get paid out or make the, make the cash line. So When I'm looking at GPPs, I'm looking at that. I I don't want to play anything that's going to be like 19%, 20%. I don't play a lot of like quadruples, things like that, where it's really like your chances of even making any money, even if it's
0: a small amount, are really, really slim. I I stay away from a lot of that. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Jetpack, uh, do you have any preference on on your DFS uh, game of choice?
1: Yeah, I only play GPP. I think cash is lame yeah very simple I'd only pay me, right? i don't know like if i if i i don't know you spend a dollar <laughs> you get a dollar 80 that's dumb if i if i spend five dollars and i win a million dollars that's great right like yeah what's the point of this is it just the, <laughs> like i have we have redraft leagues and you have dynasty leagues to just kick it around with your buddies um and you know you win Twenty bucks or two hundred bucks or whatever, right? In those leagues, or right, maybe you're super cool and you play high stakes. But when you're playing this GPP, like that's where all the value is. That's what makes it exciting. So if you're doing any other format besides the GPP, I just think you know you're, it's just a different different thing altogether. So um, that that's for me. I mean, I I love doing the GPP. I think it's a lot of fun. I found last year I probably won at the twenty three percent mark. So my like hit rate was you know kind of matched what was average and it's just about getting those hits to to matter basically um that's what i've found so what's been your experience Derek? i mean same i mean really that's what you're playing
2: for gpp so it's not like cash games you're not going to like win every single week you could go through a long stretch because really what you're looking for is to hit like you're talking about um and just to kind of get back a little bit of our as far as game selection it especially in and I don't know how much of your listenership is going to be like new players, things of that nature. If you are just now signing up to DraftKings, get in every single beginner lobby. Like You can, until you played enough or you've won enough or whatever, what have you, try to get in all beginner lobbies and stuff like that. You're going to see softer people making really bad decisions as far as their lineups. So I would say enter all the beginner stuff that you can until you get to the point that you can't. Because they'll literally, like, after you've played so much, you've won so much, you won't be able to do that. So exhaust that if you're, like, somebody that's listening to this and signing up for the first time.
0: No, that makes a ton of sense. And honestly, so just a quick aside here. That, because I'm in in a, a couple leagues with Jetpack, and that completely, that, that, that... Uh, GPP versus cash game and, and Jetpack only choosing cash because of the upside that completely describes every single roster he has ever created <laughs> there is the I mean we were in we were in one league and the floor just completely dropped out he had Saquon Barkley and then everybody else on his team got injured and it was all upside and and he chased the upside as Will Fuller in every league you know like that that sort of thing. I don't know if that's true anymore. Oh, I don't know if that's, my guy. I don't know if that's true anymore. But like but that is just the that that kind of when you when you are evaluating if you're going to go into uh, start playing DFS if you have not yet, think about how you construct your rosters in your dynasty and your seasonal leagues because that could probably tell you a lot about um who you're going to be as a DFS player because if you are a if you're a a high risk type person, if you're a Um, ceiling play, mostly GPP makes a lot more sense. But if you are a floor play, like uh, when, when we had Brooks on here, he was the exact opposite. It was what's the guy's base. What can I expect out of him each week? Like, how can I beat 50%? And that's exactly. So I think, I think looking at your, lineups that you have looking at your uh rosters that you've created can tell you a lot about what you might prefer and where you should uh even maybe start looking uh at dfs so uh, just kind of an aside there that I, that I noticed um because as soon as i asked the question i knew what his answer was going to be um just based off knowing his his rosters um so just keep that in mind if, if that's if you're just now starting um but yeah I, next question for you is and um, with Jetpack being uh, this ancient uh, astronomer and and having been through so many different plagues, um, I think you'll have some some good insight here too. How do you think COVID is going to uh, either positively or negatively affect DFS lineups each week? Because obviously, if people get sick, that's going to affect who's playing. Like, how do you how do you see people being hurt or capitalizing on that?
2: I think just uh, I mean people are not great to adjusting the news. Like if, if any of this comes out and, and some of this, we're going to see some of these things play out, especially at the very beginning of the season, are guys going to get ruled out? Like how often are they testing? Are they testing, you know, a day or two before, are we going to get a little bit more notice? Are we literally like an hour before going to find out how like guys are getting ruled out? And a lot of the field does not adjust well to to news to guys being ruled out and and what that does for a team sometimes doesn't matter sometimes if it's especially on the defensive side of it and i know that that twitter loves to talk about defense doesn't matter i am firmly against that um in the sense of when you're talking about matchups yes um because i mean you could even like look to last year Um, towards the end of the season. I mean, there were weeks. I I remember one week where I I had a great week because literally the entire Washington defense was down. They were starting like third and fourth cornerbacks and nobody's talking about it. So adjusting to injuries and some of the, like if players get ruled out is going to be huge. And overall, I do think that the industry as a whole, or at least like who you're going to be playing with in a lot of different lobbies or head-to-heads, I mean, just straight up, they suck at it. So the ability to adjust to that or adjust to uh, um, whether we – heck, if we're even talking about guys getting ruled out between the noon games and 4 p.m. games, and we're talking about late swapping players off of your lineups, like you ran a lineup and all the guys during during the the early, the main slate just sucked, and – Or you had a really good lineup or and guys get ruled out. How are you going to adjust and late swap and, and and change up your players to the news that you're getting? So I think there's going to be a lot of edges, man. I really, really do this year. Jetpack, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be about staying on your toes. Right. Uh, And just the way that I I think about like redraft or dynasty, handcuffing is going to be really interesting. And, um, Uh, You know, with DFS in particular, I think the matchups are stand out so much more in terms of, you know, how you're viewing the field and everything like that. And so there's probably going to be a lot of value generated just by sticking off with the same matchup and just playing a backup if a guy drops out and then, you know, being able to sort out after that. So, I mean, strategically, I think that's worked for me in the past where, you know, maybe a guy's on the injury report, but I really like the matchup. I'm going to stick with that matchup and I'll just take the discount on the salary when you play the backup instead. Um, and I found that to be pretty fruitful. The,
0: uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, uh, positionally as well. When you have, uh, when you have a running back versus a, uh, wide receiver that might get sick when you're playing a a backup wide receiver versus a backup running back, the running back is the beneficiary a lot of the offensive line. And so if you have, if you have a good offensive line, a backup running back can slot in there and Produce pretty well and so uh that's that's another thing where i think you're going to look and see um okay maybe maybe the running backs injured or sick or maybe the offensive line is injured or sick that's something that you also have to pay attention to that i don't know how uh if you're if you're really plugged into these communities if you're really plugged into to twitter and following the beats you probably have a leg up on okay is half of this offensive line out like right now half of the, the Eagles offensive line is injured. And so let's just say, let's just for, for example, say that that's in season, all of a sudden, you know, that probably miles Sanders is not going to have a ton of help. And so you can, if, if miles Sanders goes down, you're not going to start Boston Scott with, with uh, Supreme confidence. You know, you're, you're looking at the offensive line situations um, and, and you're looking at the player personnel uh, situations as well, because this is going to affect not just one person. If it does affect people, it's going to affect multiple people uh, across the same position, and uh, and that's where I think if you again, just like what you are saying, Derek, if you have your finger on the pulse a little bit, you can capitalize on um, kind of fading certain players or or bumping certain players up and, and getting them at value. So um, it's it's going to be well, it's going to be interesting, but you can you can definitely see the advantage that that you can uh, get from it.
2: Well, I think it's important, too, that if if you're looking for edges of that nature, too, understanding the context of certain players' roles, like you're, you're talking about Miles Sanders, and understanding if his offensive line or things of that nature are downgraded that week, is he still going to catch passes? Is he still going to get in the open field? And going all the way back to ownership, if you understand the context of a player's role and know that, okay, he's still going to see six targets you put him in the open field, he could still bust an 80 yard run or a swing pass. And the whole entire field goes away from him because of said offensive line concerns. Then it also could be another uh, chance to pounce just considering
0: there's, there's levels to this, you know, there, there Mm -hmm. are so many different levels to this. So yeah, it's that, and that's going back to what we said before. That is where having experts in your corner gives you the leg up. That's where having experts say, Hey, check the ownership on this guy, nobody, nobody's rostering him. He's still a boom type player. You can still go play him and, and reap some benefit there. So, um, love that as well. Uh, so what are what are some of your favorite strategies to use in DFS lineups?
2: I mean, obviously 95% people that you talk to in DFS are going to tell you stacking. I mean, that's an obvious one. So whether it's, you know, teaming a quarterback, two different, um, pass catchers, and then, running it back, which saying running it back, basically if you're stacking a game and you're picking one offense and you're going to go quarterback and two pass catchers. Now, whether you do have some correlations there, like if like we're talking about pass catching running back, can you play like a quarterback and one of his running backs and then a wide receiver? Sure. Or if you're going to do a full game stack, you want to make sure that usually you have another guy on the other side of the, uh, of, on the other team, because if the game goes crazy, and another team is in catch-up mode, or um, you think that you know this other team is going to be in positive game script, so you want to roll the running back, and then you're going to play pass catchers from the other side. You, if you're going to game stack a lot of different times, you want to make sure you got two on one side, one on the other, or vice versa. Um, as well as, I mean, and just lineup building in general. Like I sometimes will stack one game and they get parts or pieces of another game as well, or basically where I'm, I'm double stacking if that makes sense. Um, where I've got a quarterback, two pass catchers or, or, players from one game. And then I'll lump that with players from another game that I think the total could either go over or I just like the game script for either players. If that all kind of
0: makes sense in my rambling. No, that, that totally makes sense. And I. I guess to kind of jump ahead and, and, build off that, are there any player stacks that you're especially looking forward to this year? Uh, what for week one? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and just kind of projecting out throughout the season, um, the, the schedules out and, uh, and so maybe, maybe projecting out through the season. Are, are there any players that you think definitely for week one and that, that probably throughout the season, you'll, you'll likely see in a lot of your lineups.
2: I mean, it's a week-to-week basis. Um, I I did write a a really quick, like after DraftKings released their week one uh, pricing, I went through and just guys that kind of stood out to me. Um, I do think uh, just a few different guys off the top of my head. Uh, I think that some situations that we, we deem that are ambiguous right now are places that you probably can get unless like reports, we don't know what's going to happen between now and, and kickoff, but, If we have certain situations and, like, players are in good matchups, uh, like the Colts' backfield, for for instance, the Jaguars are going to be terrible still this year. Like, their defense is going to be god-awful. You could run over them all last year. That's probably not going to change because the personnel hasn't changed. And walking into this season, are people going to play Marlon Mack? Are people going to play Jonathan Taylor? Because both of them are in the 5K range on DK, It's a backfield that I think I'm probably going to, depending on what we get for reports, um, as well as I think that there's a great edge to be had as far as playing a lot of different slot wide receivers. You'll see a lot of different people come out here and talk about, okay, well, cornerback wide receiver matchups don't matter. And I'm like, okay, if it depends on how you're dividing that up. Because, no, every cornerback does not shadow a wide receiver. Duh. And if you're looking at it from that way, yes, you're looking at it totally wrong. But if you're looking at a slot-wide receiver and you know a slot corner, because a lot of the slot-wide receivers are going to be in the slot, whether it's 50 to 70% of their snaps. And if they're going against a slot corner that is just bad, you know that he's going to sit here and whip him the entire game for 70% of his plays. So if that's the case, that's a lot of different, like, matchups that I I, I won a lot of money last year playing, um, and he's still not good this year, playing a lot of uh, slot wide receivers versus the Detroit Lions because Justin Coleman struggled last year. And as far as other guys that, I mean, teams that I like, I think that looking at offseason moves, and just because a team name is great on paper, so... Like as far as the defense, like some people that have not been paying attention all offseason to free agent signings, injuries, players that have opted out. They're going to look at it when they open up the DK app and they're going to say, oh, hmm, I don't want to play anybody versus the Bears because the the Bears are good, right? The Bears are probably going to struggle versus the pass this year, at least in the early going. Um, So a lot, I think there's going to be a lot like getting back to all of this. I think there's going to be a lot of edges as far as personnel off season movement and people that are just now catching back up to all of this. If you are either plugged in or you've been plugged in all off season and you never turned your gaze away. I think that it is going to be a print fest week one.
0: Jetpack um, are there, I, I know and I, I, I feel like I bring up drew lock way too often um, because it's just kind of a layup for you. It, it is Drew Locke someone that you're targeting, or, or are there any quarterbacks that you think um, can return value uh, week one?
1: Yeah, I don't know about week one, but Drew Locke and that Broncos receiving core, they'll probably be cheap for a good portion of the beginning of the year just because Drew's kind of an unknown to a lot of people. But, I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of his game. Just generally speaking, I think he's he's uh, he's got it. Um, he can, he can definitely spin it. Um, and the, the receiving court is fantastic. And I, I know too, that there's a lot of hoopla about these, these players, um, not performing well as rookies because they're not getting as much on field reps and all this kind of stuff. But when you look back at, the 2011 lockout season that's that's julio jones and that's aj green's rookie year and the deal was they were fantastic um it's not necessarily about what kind of in-game reps you're getting but a lot of it is uh you know are you good (laughs) um and we've had a slew of receiving groups that haven't been as impressive and then we saw 2019 really stand out um, and perform over expectation i think this 2020 class is going to be similar to Uh, what they were able to produce last year just as rookies. And um, the the lack of on-field game reps doesn't bother me as much as it would for like a defense. So the defense is going to be playing catch-up because they're going to have no idea what the offense is going to be running. And for a rookie to learn, okay, I run this route here, or for Jerry Judy who's played at Bama and knows – all the different concepts for pro style offense knows and understands option routes, knows and understands how to read a defense. That's an easy call for him. He's not going to necessarily struggle um, in terms of timing or figuring things out. I think they'll pick it up quicker than most people are ready for. Um, And like Derek is saying, the defenses are not going to be ready just in general. Um, So we're going to be printing a lot of big games. Um, But so Broncos for sure. I'm a big fan of uh, because I think that they will be cheap throughout the season. And then the, the Bengals is the other team that I, I think about because while the Broncos uh, are talented on offense, uh, the Bengals, uh, or the, I would say the Broncos specifically have a much stronger defense and the Bengals literally have nothing. I think they just paid Trey Wayne's like $42 million or something like that. And he's trash. He has been trash his entire time in Minnesota. And now he's their like best corner. And they don't have anybody anywhere else on the, on the whole roster that can play defense at all. Uh, and so they're going to get destroyed constantly that on that side of the field, but uh, offensively they're, they're a powerhouse. Um, so Bengals receivers, and you can stack whoever you want. I, I'm, I'm very excited about, uh, all the value that's going to be generated, um, from that team and specifically the game scripts that they're going to get just because they're, they're not going to be able to guard anybody. Yeah. To your
2: point, Tyrod's probably going to carry a lot of ownership. They play the Bengals, uh, week one.
1: Oh yeah. Oh. So- yeah, really no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he's Tarot's interesting. He's super,
2: super cheap on DK. I think he's like he's sub 6K. Um Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that it's it's it it really comes down to a lot of that. I mean, I think it's it's just targeting defenses. And um the other thing that at least last year is that if people are not gonna pay up for really, really good offenses, like throughout a good bit of last year, it was really like I don't really care how much Patrick Mahomes is, I don't care how much. Tyreek Hill is. I'm going to jam him in lineups. I'm going to figure, the, or, or, or with, with Christian McCaffrey. And you'll see people make suboptimal decisions and say, okay, well, I mean, good gosh, he's above 10K, he's above 9K, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to go this other option. And it's like, dude, he's easily still the best play on the entire board. And because of price, they'll say, well, I'm going to fade him or I'm not going to sit here and jam him in. And I think it's a bad way.
0: No, absolutely. I think, um, and I was just having this conversation where you're going to where you're going to find value against defenses is um, when there are rookie defensive backs playing uh, because there are going to be a, a lot of uh, rookie defensive backs coming in and getting significant time and playing man to man coverage is easier early on with an abbreviated training camp. So I think I think there's a good chance you see. Uh, more man-to-man coverage early on in the season and just D line, just pin your ears back and go to help out these corners. You won't have to, you won't have to be in coverage as long. You won't have to make as many reads. It's let's, let's have a safety help you over the top and let's, let's put a rookie corner man-to-man and, um, and I know the bears, at least that's, that's the team I'm most tuned in with. The bears at least have been running man coverage, uh, one-on-one drills every single day. Um, throughout camp, and I think their that's,
2: secondary, their secondary is going to be
0: bad. Their secondary like, really, is half like, pro bowlers and half uh Jags. You know, no, like their corners are like Kyle Fuller is not great.
2: uh Scran is in the the slot; he's not great. Then they're going to be starting what? Either is Jalen Johnson still banged up? Uh, Jalen Johnson
0: is full go, and it's it's Jalen Johnson or Kel- Kevin Tolliver there,
2: or, or Tolliver, Tol- and Tolliver is hot garbage. He's he's not good. So I think if you're looking at it uh, a lot of like you're talking about secondaries, the Vikings stand out. They're leaning heavily. Uh, we already talked about the Bengals. We talked about uh, I talked about the Lions are going to have one of the worst secondaries in football as far as they're leaning on Justin Coleman, Desmond Trufant, and a rookie in Jeff Okuda.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be that that's going to be the thing that I think people are going to uh, be able to capitalize on if you know that if you if you know what secondaries are uh, are going to have to lean on the rookies. So um, so that's that's a place where I think looking at the defenses again just gives you a huge advantage um, because uh, I mean well
2: in this uh, to get into this a little bit too um, and this might sound really contrite but it, 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 when you're looking at DFS, you're looking for explosive plays, you're looking for the ceiling weeks out of guys, obviously. is something as simple as looking at, like if, if it's the Chiefs, looking at the speed that they have at corners, a lot of these cornerbacks are not fast. Yeah. So if you're going to match Tyreek Hill up against a 4-6 slot corner, he is going to burn him, he's going to take his lunch money all day. Right. So some of the other things as far as athletics and the measurables and stuff like that, it does play into how these matchups play out or some of the slot corners are a little bit more on the shorter side. So if you got a big slot, he's going to sit here and he's going to jump ball him all day. So there's other edges besides just like, okay, this, this corner has been giving up his catch rate and other things like that from just an athletic standpoint as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, one of my best, uh, maybe it was two years ago, was uh, one of my best weeks ever i I looked and saw that PJ Williams was playing against somebody's on the slot corner <laughs> for the paint you know and and I was like oh he's, wow. still, there he's still there and I, I was just like you know what I'm gonna go and play whoever I, I don't even remember who the slot guy was I, I only remember that I was like I, whoever's whoever's in the slot against PJ Williams I'm gonna play mm-hmm. and they hit like every single like week after week after week. Whoever is playing in the slot against PJ Williams was like an automatic play, and so, so I was. Uh, that was that was kind of the best uh, uh, visual and the best experience I had. Where it's like, okay, obviously you're not just going to pick the exact same guy because it's not you. You have to look at a lot more things than oh, I'm just playing whoever's matched mm-hmm. up against PJ Williams. But but knowing the yeah exactly what you said, knowing that and knowing those matchups, and if a team is. Uh, more predisposed to run man versus zone. It it helps a lot in those decisions and it helps a lot in, uh, in how you, how you decide your starters for the week. So uh, yeah,
2: big, it helps a whole lot, like knowing coverages and stuff like that too. Like there's a certain, there's a bunch of defenses offhand that I could tell you that run zone heavy. And if you're looking to punt tight ends, like it's a print fest, like last year I, I, I played a lot of tight ends versus the Cowboys. I'll probably do it again this year because literally their 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 linebackers are good at rushing, they're not good in coverage. They play zone heavy scheme and tight ends, I mean Kyle Rudolph had I, I won a bunch of money one week cuz Kyle Ru- Rudolph had a at a 2 tutty game yeah. um
0: in showdown. No, that's uh, yeah, exactly. And that's where that's where you're not necessarily going to know that. You need to have the help uh to to get you there. Um awesome. Let's so
1: i got one more DFS question yeah so uh quarterbacks are basically the linchpin because of the you know the offense and everything like that and so my question for you from a strategy standpoint is are you a high pay quarterback guy or a low pay quarterback guy or what how do you strategize there because that's where i start all of my lineups is around the quarterback and then i go from there basically what's the my most favorable matchup that week and then i you know i always have a difficult time deciding okay do i want to just do a bunch of cheap guys and find the best matchups there or or what's what's your limit there uh well part of that comes
2: down to game game selection too so if you're playing cash games i would tell you a general rule of thumb i would more likely pay down like every single week like that's what i'm talking about tyrod and um the Bears quarterbacks, whoever is the starter under week one, they are probably, yep, they're probably going to be absolute chalk. Like those two quarterbacks are going to carry probably a lot of ownership. One of the two is going to carry a lot of ownership uh, week one, just because they are so cheap. They actually both have really good matchups. Um, So I don't have a problem in, and I don't want to sound like I'm talking out both sides of the mouth. I don't have a problem doing either, to be honest with you. Really, it comes down to, what are my pool of players looking like this week? Who do I think has the best matchups from a schematic standpoint? Like who is going to, whether it's speed, whether it's injuries, whether it's whatever you're talking about, that's really where I start my player pool at. And then I, I don't necessarily like a lot of different times. I'll barely open the app in the early part of the week. I really dive in and I go game by game and I look at, Who do I like on this slate, and then I kind of backtrack and say, "What does pricing look like?" I don't like let pricing dictate who I want to play. I play who I think is going to be in the best spots, and figure out pricing around that. If that makes sense,
0: that makes total sense. I like that. Um, All right, let's move from from DFS a little bit into the seasonal and dynasty, and I think uh, so. We're going to talk about some running back by committee. Uh, players to buy and, and who's the best value and, and which player do you think is going to come out on top? We don't necessarily need to hit all of them uh, because there are quite a few this year, uh, <laughs> especially with the late addition of uh, Kalen Balazs, uh to the jets. So it's, it's right now it's Kalen Bellage, Frank Gore, and then Lev bell all the way at the bottom of uh, Adam Gase's depth chart there. Um, so, so we'll hit, we'll hit some of the important ones, some of the ones that, uh, that are interesting. Um, but for, and I guess this is a little bit more important for seasonal leagues. How, how do some of these break down? So I'm going to, let me throw out, uh, let's go Niners here, you know, because that's, that's one where Raheem Mostert has gone, uh, his value has just absolutely skyrocketed. Um, but you still have two guys on that roster that could be the starting running back given the chance and, and do an excellent job. So, so Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon, um, all three of those have starting running back potential. Is there a general strategy that you're going to use looking at the Niners backfield and then maybe even running back by committee in general? Uh,
2: it's team by team as far as the committees and stuff, but as far as the San Francisco 49ers in general, um, so if you head over to ftnfantasy.com, like I'm finishing up. I got two more teams left. I've been diving into pace, personnel usage with all 32 teams with coaching profiles. So I actually just released the, the 49ers last week. Um, they were a really interesting case because for the first 12 weeks of the season, it was a three-way split. Like each one of these guys was garnering about 30% of the touches and Tevin Coleman had the early down role pretty much on lock. Now, towards the end of the season, they went, like, Raheem Mostert just took over the backfield. He had 57% of the touches from weeks 13 to 17, but he got, like, nearly no targets, uh, whereas they were actually throwing to the running backs the first 12 weeks of the season, and they just went away from that totally down the stretch over the last five games. And Breeda wasn't even part of it. Like, he... Put the ball on the turf twice during week fifteen. And he was just out of the equation, like poof, gone. And so this year, I think they go back to the the, the thirty three or the thirty percent split. I think it's going to be a three way split. I think all of these backs are going to be involved because we saw a twelve game sample of that happening. And so I'm going to treat this like everybody talks about the the Belichick narrative. I'm going to take the cheapest guy, and I'm, I'm going to go towards Jerick McKinnon here. And the reason I'm doing that as well, because weeks one through 12, the 49ers, like I said, they were throwing more to their running backs during those first 12 games. They were actually 11th in target share to the running back position over that span. So you're looking at, they have banged up weapons as far as their wide receivers right now. Like I am totally out on Devo for this year, foot injuries scare the bejesus out of me. I do have a little bit of medical background, so I'm not just totally talking out my ass. So they have a really high incidence of re-injury. We saw Marquise last year. Other players like Julio Jones, Sammy Watkins have had Jones fractures and foot issues in the past. So just because he's running on the side field, that dude is still not even practiced yet. So for everybody that's taking him at best ball, you need to pump your brakes, man. So I'm out on Debo. I think that they actually pump some more targets through this running back position. So again, if we get a healthy Jerick McKinnon, he's the guy that I want because I think that he's the best pass catcher
0: in that backfield. No, I think that's absolutely correct. And, and don't forget, they're paying him, what, like nine mil this year? So yep. you're if you're paying for something, you want to take advantage of what you're paying for. He's he's getting the money. They haven't been able to use him. So uh, as far as an ownership uh, standpoint, there's got to be some pressure for um, Kyle Shanahan to actually put the ball in his hands um, to to show that that wasn't just wasted money. Um, no, I like that pick. Jetpack being uh, a Niners fan, is that is is that that the direction you would go, or, or are you going somewhere else?
1: I love Mostert. I'm I'm all about him. I think he'll. I mean, he took over the backfield in the second half, and you know, we would talk about like hot hand. Uh, moster can run it and the deal is he gets he'll get runways that you know you can anybody can drive through but he can cruise way faster and so you know you can say okay tevin coleman all right we, we'll give you enough space but moster will blitz that much quicker uh he's more explosive than anybody on the team and really anybody in the nfl in terms of running backs eh, so i would say anybody on the team yeah i mean you can who's faster
2: as far well it's not it, their their scheme is not dependent on fast yeah. it's about it's about lateral agility like running wide zone he's now you will not hear me say a bad thing about Raheem Mostert I'm an OG truther about that dude I love him like back in the day whenever they signed like Alfred Morris I was like y'all need to be talking about Raheem Mostert and he had injuries and we just never saw it so I'm not trying to hate on Mostert I love him but as far as lateral agility that's why I'm so huge into Jamichael Hasty. like I feel like he fits that scheme to a T. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to get... that He's way down the depth chart, and he's not even practicing with the ones and stuff like that. So, I agree with you. I think Mostert fits that scheme best out of any running back.
0: Um, but I do still think it's going to be a split. And Jarek McKinnon is just as fast as Raheem Mostert. Both, both uh, low four four guys. Um, but I do... I, I mean... I Most,
1: sold- Mostert's a, a four-three-two guy, so oh, there's nobody faster. No, all nobody's right, faster right. in the NFL. That's- Just put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's. I mean, I mean, all right. He's, all the, right. he's well, the fastest well, tail. He's the fastest lead tailback since Chris Johnson.
0: So, except for you know. Matt Breida, who is the self-declared fastest person in the NFL. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I I I sold Raheem Mostert early on when. Um, when it looks a little bit more like he was the sole back or when you could kind of convince people kind of after that, that hype that he was the lead back. And I think I got pretty good value there. I don't know if selling him at this point, uh, especially in dynasty is the move because he probably is not worth as much as, uh, he'll produce for you in the season. Um, I am trying to get Jarek McKinnon everywhere though. I think Jarek's a strong buy for, uh, for dynasty and seasonal leagues. Um, Uh, an an interesting one to me this year is uh the aaron jones aj dillon split in green bay and uh i I know jetpack you do a lot of uh projections here i want to start off with first what do you have projected for that backfield
1: Uh, i'm i'm pretty heartbroken i got aaron jones down in the like 200 carries ballpark and then aj dillon down at 140 so um i think aaron jones will be definitely the third down back i mean he's too much of a, a a weapon on the outside uh like a legit he can play outside for sure um we saw that with the chiefs but i you know he's he's uh th- they're just afraid of having these smaller guys who are later round picks and they don't necessarily want to turn them into the bell cow and you know i think with the first history with derrick henry he's you know, trying to do some similar stuff, moving away from the Aaron Rodgers doing it all and carrying the team to uh, picking up Jordan love and handing it off. So um, I, yeah, I'm bummed about Aaron Jones just in general. I think he's a a special talent in the NFL, but I don't think he's going to hit the volume. I think, uh, you know, anytime you spend up for a running back in the second round, uh, you plan to use him. So Um, I'm I'm lower on Jones for sure. And then A.J. Dillon, I don't know particularly about his fantasy value. I think he's only relevant really when there's an injury. Darren Jones, uh, Jones is too talented to just kick him off all the way. Um, But just overall, it caps Jones' ceiling for sure. Derek, are you
0: similar similar, uh, mindset there? I think it's going to be a mess
2: this year. I think Jones will probably lead the backfield, but from – a dynasty perspective, I think that you need to go probably get A.J. Dillon where you can. Well, now we have quad pictures and stuff like that, yeah. so the hype is is there. It's too late for that, but early in the offseason, we heard all... And, and I'm not huge into A.J. Dillon as a prospect. I think that if you watched him run and you look at his how elusive he was, his combine didn't translate to how actually elusive or non-elusive he is, so... But I do think that with the equity, the Packers are going to give him the the chance to fail. Now, whether that's I don't think necessarily think that th- that's this year. I do think that that's that backfield. I think Aaron Jones is going to lead them in touches, but I think it's going to be way, way, way more frustrating than people are possibly giving it credit, only because we saw like last year. Aaron Jones did have a role in the passing game, but some of that was puffed up because Devontae Adams missed a bunch of games. So his target share fell precipitously. Whenever Adams came back, Jamal Williams, also missed a few games. Jamal Williams, for as much as everybody doesn't want him to be a thing in green Bay, he's a thing. Mm -hmm. He's going to get targets. He had multiple games of five plus targets. And if you're looking at the red zone role, good luck. Like, who the heck is going to get the touchdowns? Is it going to be AJ Dillon? Is going to squash enough of the touchdown equity from Aaron Jones for him to just be immensely frustrating? So, unless there's really an injury that kind of cuts this down to like two players, I'm just totally staying away. Like, I think you should have been getting AJ Dillon in Dynasty, considering what he was going, to, where he was going in rookie drafts. That time has probably since passed because now we have. He's wearing John Stockton size shorts and his <laughs> quads are just popping out. And so now the the the, the you, you, good luck. Like you, you if you were gonna get him in dynasty, you should have already done that. Now is not the time to do that. If Aaron Jones comes out in like beast modes and and he owns the backfield in week one, sure send out your offers. But in just in general, it's a backfield I'm staying away from this year
0: yeah and I'm as a bears fan, I'm very uh, glad that I can just safely not draft either of them uh, or, or, or all three. And I, I, you both hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's just so messy that it, it's it's worth it if AJ Dillon's cheap, but also if you're playing in a redraft league, you don't need to waste a pick on him because he'll be on waivers if anything happens. Um, and he'll be, he'll maybe be a priority waiver, but it's, it's just not even worth to have on your bench. Um, dynasty leagues. Yeah. The people go, like we talked about, um, the, the, the different types of Twitter, the injury Twitter and the source Twitter. (laughs) I mean, the quad Twitter and calf Twitter and like the, the fitness picture Twitter, that one's, that one's pretty intense as well. and, And people tilt pretty hard, um, Based off how a guy looks or, or does not look physically, so we can't can't leave that one out at all.
2: Um, I stay. I usually just kind of hang out in the, in the nice in between on Visor Twitter.
0: So oh, yeah, Visor Twitter, <laughs> Visor Twitter is a lot of fun. Big big Visor. It is. It is. If you didn't like Cam Akers, you need to like him now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about them. So the interesting thing with the uh, Rams backfield. Is that Malcolm Brown is listed as the lead back. And you have Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, and Daryl Henderson. And that one's that one's just super interesting to me because I think that Cam Akers is probably the best of those three running backs, but they are all so they're all such different backs that I feel like Sean McVay is going to use them in a, a really confounding way. And so while I do want Cam Akers for Dynasty, I find myself having way more Malcolm Brown because it really looks like he's going to be the week one starter. Uh, And so I, I know that for his price, I'm going to get one week of maybe a flex play or, you know, he's like, he's a guy that understands the system. He's a guy that's maybe going to start for a couple weeks and get some goal line carries, maybe have a a touchdown or two. So if I'm playing in these deeper leagues where you're starting um, multiple flex spots, two, three flex spots, he's a guy that I find myself having on, Uh, on my rosters because he is basically free and he will likely be the starting running back week one and the starting running back in, in Sean McVay's offense is definitely valuable. Um, Do you, uh, Derek, do you have a preference between these three? Obviously in in dynasty, it's a little bit easier, but do you have a preference between these three in uh, redraft leagues? I mean,
2: I, I I really and and this is not just take lock. I know that I've been in the in the streets of Twitter talking about Cam Akers. I really believe that he's going to be the Week One starter. I think that his skill set fits what they want to do. Uh, he ran uh, so before Todd Gurley, before his knees just were compounded between dust, cobwebs, inflammation, all that kind of stuff, and he lost every bit of lateral agility that he possibly had. the The Rams were a really zone heavy run scheme. Cam Akers ran zone on 77% of his carries last year. I think that they get back to doing that. I think that they want somebody athletic. And it's not to say that Daryl Henderson is not. But he struggled a lot last year running zone concepts versus cap. And I don't think that he has the pass pro chops as well. And I know I I, I don't want to talk about like certain teams do ask their running backs to block. Others do not. The Chiefs do not. So anybody that was telling you about Clyde Edwards-Lair and his pass protection, I could – Freaking care less, but with the Rams and Jared Goff and his sensitivity to any type of pressure, I do think that it does play into the equation here. And Cam Akers, I mean, he allowed pressures and on uh at least pass protection snaps uh, less than one percent in college. His offensive line, we all know, everybody knows what mm-hmm. it was at Florida State. I don't need to go into that, but it also gave him the ability to get those reps. I think that he fits what they want to do as an offense. I think that his skill set fits. Because you look at last year, the Rams were a super outlier as far as like what they did not using Todd Gurley in the passing game, what happened to that team last year. Cam Akers can play in the passing game. I can actually make a, a decent case that he has more pass game chops just from a what we saw in college over Henderson. Malcolm Brown, good guy, he's like the ugly version of Jordan Howard. Like he he has never <laughs> been asked to catch the ball he will not be asked to catch the ball even last year when he was getting red zone touches he still wasn't asked to catch the ball i think that they need versatility in the backfield and i, I peg akers being the the week one guy
0: that's going to lead them in touches chip peck where do you stand on this rams backfield
1: oh i'm right there with you man i most talented guy right so you, you got to play your guys i i don't know that i think the volume is the question mark so i I my rookie concerns are always that everybody's going to end up being joe mixon and malcolm brown is going to be this jeremy hill guy that just hangs out and daryl henderson's going to be giovanni bernard it's just going to be this gross deal and the Bengals, you know the Bengals offensive line sucked and so the rams off you know so that vibe really scares me um but cam's the most talented guy in the backfield for sure oh
0: yeah, undoubtedly, and and yeah, that's right. the that's the thing in redraft. I, I mean, I don't have the ADP pulled up right now. In redraft, are you uh, are, are you comfortable having him as uh, he's probably going as your your RB three? Uh, is that some is that someone you're you're comfortable having as your RB three? Unless you're going unless you're jetpack and you've already drafted six running backs <laughs> by the uh, fifth round.
1: Right. Yeah. So <laughs> in almost every roster that or every team that I build, he will be the RB four. I, I don't mind RB3. I think that's fine. Um, but, yeah, you don't want him in, in a, like, a true starting spot. You want to be able to flex in and out with the, another receiver or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, m- most builds, I'll, he'll be RB4 for me. Well,
2: that's the great thing right now. Even, like, even with Daryl Henry, his ADP has not moved. I mean, in best ball right now, which I think is the sharpest form of ADP that you could possibly get right now, he's going still usually in the fifth. Sometimes he'll slip to the sixth round. Um, I did see on the day that they talked about Henderson's injury, he did go, jump up to the fourth. But where you're getting him in drafts, in the fifth round, he's going to be your RB3 nine times out of ten, unless you just go wide receiver heavy first. Because you're going to go running back, running back, probably double tap wide receiver in third and fourth rounds because that's what you should be doing because the wide receivers are just simply amazing in the fourth round. But So he's probably going to be your RB3 in most different cases.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I do feel comfortable with him uh, as that RB three, probably more RB four. Uh, just that, yeah, that flex spot because I don't, I don't expect him to have a huge impact uh, week one. The volume is definitely a question, and you don't know what that's going to look like yet. Um, obviously, dynasty he's a he's a top five uh, rookie pick, and you want as much camax as you can get. Um, I I want to I want to talk about one more. Um, I mean, obviously, we can we can we could keep going through all of these um, because there's there's so many running back by committees to to talk about. But the one that is kind of like, I think everyone was really excited for them to draft a running back, and then they didn't draft a running back, and they traded for Jordan Howard, and they or uh, they signed Jordan Howard and uh, Matt Burita. Now you have two guys that have consistently been uh, in, in committee backfields. And they're back in another one just with each other. Neither one is uh, great at everything. You have uh, Jordan Howard that's an abysmal abysmal pass catcher, but uh, I really think he's a great actual ball carrier. And then you have Matt Breida who's a pretty good um, pass catcher but puts the ball on the ground. He's not necessarily going to be trusted between the tackles. With this Miami offense, um, is there is there a player that you prefer between the two um because i i mean and maybe this is just my bears fandom uh shining through again but i'll I kind of lean jordan howard in this scenario uh let me see and i mean it's Sorry, it's, it's not even that you have to be wanting them on your rosters right when, when we're talking about these it's not that you need to have these guys on all of your rosters it's if if you are in a situation where it's where you kind of have to decide between the two, which one is, is your preference just for, just for anyone listening. So Jordan Howard versus burrito. Yeah.
2: Oh my God. It's ugly. Um, <laughs> I, as nasty as it's, I mean, honestly, like I, I would go lean towards Matt burrito only because we've seen the play, make ability, playmaking ability in small spurts. And it, when looking at the dolphins, I think Breida has – we know what we're getting out of Jordan Howard, and that's he can't catch the dang ball. He's going to grind. He's probably – regardless, even if Breida were to take over this backfield, Jordan Howard will have the goal line role. Like, if you look at back at Galey's history, even when C.J. Spiller was a thing, he still didn't get the goal line touches. That was Fred Jackson that year. So I would lean Breida because I think that on this team, this offensive line is still not going to be great, Okay. Jordan Howard is going to be far more dependent upon his offensive line to open up holes than Matt Breida is. Matt Breida is shown he can catch passes, he can make plays, he can create yards for himself. So even on, he might not have the goal line, he will not have the goal line role, sorry. But he might not even have the near touch equity. Matt Breida could be the sexier version of Bilal Powell this year and still pay off for fantasy owners.
0: Jetpack, what are where are you at with uh, with Brita versus Howard?
1: Hundred percent, man, Matt Breda, I love it. D Brown knows.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's he's the the self declared fastest man uh, in the NFL because of the uh, that advanced stat that tracked ball carrier speed. I I really I mean, it's and this is hard for me because I I do think Jordan Howard is a a talented runner. He's just not athletic. And that's, that's the biggest problem. So, um, I think, I, I think I, I want Howard, uh, I, I want Howard. God, you're
2: being so nice about it, man. He's the new Corvall's high. Yeah. Wow, let's just call it what it <laughs> but, is, but
0: he's going, to, he's the new
2: Carlos high, yeah,
0: high he, though. It's yeah. a 1K, man. Is he, but is he, is, is he worthy? <laughs> you know, like, is that a, is that a guy where you're like, Ooh, Oh, this yeah. is gross, but I need to, I need to flex him on my bye week and, and Matt Breed is too volatile. You know, like, is that the, is that the sort of thing where, where you're like, okay, well, I need a, I need a flex play. Do I want to, do I want a question mark guy or do I want a guy that I know is going to at least get the goal line carries and at, at least get the, the bulk of the, the carries where it actually counts to score the most points. And I think, so I probably lean Jordan Howard there. Um, and granted, I'm not looking at ADP at all, but that's, I, I think that's my tendency. I, I totally understand the pass catching ability um of of matt Breida, uh and that's that's definitely something you have to take into account um but i I really think that jordan howard is um even if he is the carlos hyde that's that's not a a terrible thing it's it's not a an amazing thing you don't love it for fantasy but you're if you're getting that sort of production if you're getting 900 to a thousand yards at that's flex worthy most weeks. That's flex worthy, especially in the the deeper leagues. That's flex worthy most weeks. So, um, so but I, to your point, is that going to win you the week? Like, unless he just
2: unless he gets two touchdowns that week, is Jordan Howard most likely
0: going to win you your week? No, but he's less likely. That, to, that, yeah, I mean, no, totally, totally fair. He's he's padding your floor, but he's
2: not going to give you the ceiling to take on a W. Like, I'm going to if it's flex, give me ceiling, man. Like. I'm totally fine with, I, and that's where we talk about matchups and stuff. If I've do, if I've done the homework on the matchups, and I'm like, dude, I think you got a ceiling. Like, let's roll. I want to win the week. I don't want the guy that's like, I'm hoping to luck into twelve points or ten points just so my team doesn't
1: suck as bad.
0: No, that and that's that's totally fair. Um,
1: I think too. You you have to ask yeah. yourself who are the Dolphins going to be beating so that Jordan Howard is getting the reps. The Dolphins have to to have a lead for you to have viable fantasy reps from Howard. Right. Whereas Breda you'll play him you'll play him no matter what. Right. It's I and
0: mean, it's also gonna be a little bit more on who's quarterback. If you have if you have Fitz magic in there, there's there's no way they're handing the, the ball off to a running back in the the red zone. You know, that's that's <laughs> Fitzpatrick's throwing the ball to Gasecki or Devontae Parker <laughs> or Preston Williams all day. He's audible Yeah. Uh, to uh, play. Honestly.
2: Excuse me, sir. You were talking to last year's rushing yards leader for the Dolphins. (laughs) That's true. Address that address that bearded man with some respect, okay? Konami code getting golden
0: looks, okay? So just saying. He is that red zone Konami code running back, you know. (laughs) Uh, or quarterback rather. The Harvard (laughs) Hustler, man. He he gets moving. So I I think I think that's also something that we're gonna see a little bit more clarity because Tua uh, apparently Tua hasn't like doesn't necessarily have that starting job locked in, although uh, everyone expects him to to be the guy. It seems kind of, at least the reports out of camp are pretty ambiguous. I think I think that'll definitely play a role there as well as, as who's starting. Um, awesome. Jetpack, were there any, any other questions, any other uh, backfields you wanted to hit before we sign off here?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, what do you think about Swift and carry-on? I think that's probably the most interesting one left that we didn't really talk about. So, looking at that backfield...
2: I actually think that that hmm, I was actually really surprised by that backfield after I dove into it. Um, I think that Swift can take over that backfield. Now, the one thing that I think about Detroit is if you look at back at what Daryl Bevel's done, at least how their offense is constructed this year. For as good of a pass catcher as Swift is, I don't think that they they, they throw to the running backs a whole lot this year. So. I think that Swift, my best comp for him because of his running style, how he plays. uh, He's not really so much of a a tackle breaker and things of that nature. He's more of a slasher. I think my best comp for him when I I watched him and looking at everything for him coming out and people could hate it or they could love it depending on this year, uh, was Kenyon Drake. And I like Swift to an extent. I think that he does have the talent. I think Detroit wants a main back. And I know that... A lot of people are talking about Detroit's as a committee situation. If you look back at what Daryl Bevel has done, and you go all the way back to he his time in Minnesota, they ran Chester Taylor, they ran AP, and no, DeAndre Swift is not AP. But even after that, they leaned on Marshawn Lynch, and then towards the end of his tenure in Seattle, they had a crap ton of injuries. They couldn't keep a running back healthy to, to save their lives. And you look at what Detroit has done over the last two years they've tried to make carry on into a lead back like his rookie season after he got the snaps he was averaging somewhere around uh, i want to say 17 touches a game and even last year the first 6 weeks before he went out he was averaging close to 20 touches a game he was in the 19 range and you look at where they're using it i think swift could run away with the backfield i don't think he gets a lot of targets but if i'm going to peg and put my the feather in the cap of one of those guys I think that as long as Swift can pick up the the playbook and he can hit the ground running and not face plant, I think that he can own this backfield.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that too. You know, exactly what you're saying about them wanting a bell cow. Um, I'm just concerned that carry on will end up hanging around or or be competitive enough to steal some reps. Um, But I just don't know if he's going to be healthy enough. Right, yeah, I don't know.
2: I, (laughs) I literally don't know. Or... If, they, if they're willing to actually give him the work or if they're just going to say, look, we'll, we'll just give you seven touches a game just to keep you healthy. Like, that's my whole thing. And I love carry on coming out. I absolutely loved him. But, I mean, we've just seen it. Like, he can't stay on the field.
1: Yeah, no, it's tough. And then all the comments about him and his his knee brace. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Did you see the comments, too, about he was
2: talking about, like, uh, DeAndre Swift does, like, yeah. <laughs> he jukes and jives, he shuffles, and he's like,
1: I can't do any of that stuff. I'm like, oh
2: God, yeah. man.
1: <laughs> That's not good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, definitely a fade carry on um type deal. But so in my in my rankings though, I moved Swift up ahead of Akers for that reason because, you know, I'm a little bit more concerned mm. about carry on's health. Where are you at between those two guys? Aline. Lean- so I lean
2: to acres only because I think the offensive situation, like his touchdown equity could be increased. Um, but again, like that could be my, some of my predispositions about like, I think that acres could own that backfield. I, I do think that, and I just think, I think the Rams are going to be a, a, a better team that people give them credit for. Like, I think that team is going to score a ton of points and not to say that the lions won't, but it looking at how their offense is going to run they were one of, like, when Stafford was under center last year, they were, I want to say, was top five in red zone passing percentage. So I think Akers could garner a little bit more touchdown equity than Swift can just because when I think that when they get in close, I think Detroit's going to want to pass the ball.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, they're they're so close to me. So I, it's always interesting talking to those two guys specifically. Yeah yeah man uh, as far as i mean we can wrap up that section but tell us just kind of give us one last plug on what you're doing with ftn uh what you guys are building there um and then where we can find all of that information and you know if you want to shill some uh of your uh promo codes you can do that but d- yeah tell us tell us what's going on the ftn fantasy front
2: yeah man we got all kinds of stuff coming in the pipe i mean like between live streams we're doing uh, we're partner with underdog right now so I'm really really doing a lot of best ball content um, as well as uh, I, I the beginning of uh when I first got hired on at FTN I have a ton of dynasty content still on the site all of my rankings I think I have like tiered and ranked uh, close to 350 players for dynasty so check all that out um, currently like I said I'm going through coaching profiles it, it, with the, the the season I'll be doing anything from dynasty to season long to dfs really covering the gambit and trying to be the swiss army knife so all of my content you can find at ftnfantasy.com ftndaily.com right now we also have FTNbets.com. i don't do it as much on the betting side but uh yeah get subscribed. obviously get uh check out the podcast to fade the chalk uh myself and my co-host adam pfeiffer we're doing three episodes a week um that's really it man i mean uh, we are running a, a a great great promotion right now. To where, if you sign up for FTN Daily, you get a subs- subscription for that. You get FTN Fantasy for free right now. So if you're looking at like, I know a lot of people like we've all been on Twitter, and in the last like I'd say three to four days, Fantasy Twitter has just poof come alive. And so if you are trying to catch up on your prep, and you're like, I haven't looked at crap all off season. There is so much. Content on FTN fantasy from str- strategy articles to tiers to rankings to the draft guide. There is no way that you can't get caught up extremely quickly. So get signed up for FTNdaily.com. You get the fantasy side for free and go crush your
1: draft, man. I mean, it is time to go right now. I'm freaking lit. Like football is back, guys. <laughs> That's right, baby. Uh, I mean, yeah, FTN has built a monster and we're so excited to be working with you on that front. Uh, just, you know, getting to know you on, on one level, but then also just getting to build something, um, super cool. So ton of fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, really great having you. And, uh, thank y'all for having me. And I, and I do want to say this before we
2: get out of here, every bit of content I do. I have a lot of love for y'all's team over at astronauts between Moyer yourselves. There is a ton of talented people, all of the video content, like people need to go check out y'all's YouTube. All of your video content, your player breakdowns, they're absolute fire.
1: Hey, it means a lot coming from you, brother. Uh, anyways, it's good having you on. Um, and I know Rish is. it sounds like Rish is lost in space a little bit, um, but we'll, we'll try to get him on at some point. But uh, uh, thanks for coming on, though. Uh, it was a total blast. Uh, we are the Fantasy Football Astronauts, and we are blasting off again.